Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Back to the Neil Haley Show here on the ProVision Brokerage Celebrity Segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And we have Great. another amazing guest. I mean, we could just, we do. You, you, he's so um, recognizable. We, he probably could tell us about all the times he's recognized on the streets. Uh, but we have a great guest today that's going to tell about his passions, but also the, his latest project. That's right. So today... We have none other than, um, where do we start? So actor, producer, director, been nominated in Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild, uh, Emmy Awards, starred in over 80 movies, 80 film and TV productions in his 50-year career, Sam Watterson. So Sam, great to have you with us. Glad you could join us today. Thank you. I, I just briefly wanted to call attention to the work of these two guys from Westport, Connecticut, who um, found, discovered an argument in the New Yorker that, that said that uh, Westport was the inspiration and the location of the Great Gatsby. And I was in the Great Gatsby years and years ago, so um, they got in touch with me. And it's really a, a homemade movie, but it is, a genius movie yeah. and really the long and the short of what I have to tell you about it um, was that I defy anybody to go to the house where where Zelda and Scott Fitzgerald uh, rented to go to the house that Zelda and Scott rented in Westport and walk from there to what is now a country club but which was at the time, the estate of an extraordinarily wealthy man who threw huge parties and had elephants and movie stars and uh, everything in between um, as guests uh, and not have the hair stand on end on the back of your neck. It's so it, it, it feels so totally like The Great Gatsby itself that it's, uh, it's really an unforgettable experience. Wow. Yeah. So I was reading about um, this new this new documentary movie, and it and it became available September one, correct? You know, uh, I, I'm counting on you to know all okay. of that stuff. So according to according to the 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 information we received and and online, it says it became available September one, and it's on all streaming devices. And so I was reading up on it and, and watched some of the information and it, it looks it does look really fascinating 
Um, I'm looking forward to checking out because I love the Gatsby. It's it's obviously one of the the great American novels. And there's been a lot of uh, academic controversy about this, but yeah. uh, but it's really so physically convincing. Just the geography yeah. and the description of the house and mm -hmm. the things that are in the house, which are really there. Like uh, you know, this was all during prohibition and there's a there's a step on the stairs leading up to the second floor that lifts up which is a, a place to hide your booze and <laughs> this, is, this is something that they talk about so yeah so it's, it's very very convincing and then you know i mean of course i'm fascinated by fitzgerald and fascinated mm -hmm. by the book for the perfectly good reason that I got to be in that movie, right? With extraordinary people. So, yeah. so uh, I was uh, I was in from the from the first word, basically. So yeah. Now you have history with with the Great Gatsby because you were Nick Carraway uh, when the movie came out in 1974, correct? That was my character. Yes, I yeah. remember that perfectly. So, well. so you've got you've got well, you've got history with the Great Gatsby, which is what brings more to, uh, I believe, this documentary that really takes it to another level. Because people, you know, when they think of Great Gatsby, a lot of people think of you. So to see you in this new one, as they've unveiled newfound information and and researched information, it it just gives it a different dynamic and excitement for people to check it out. Actually, the people that make the case uh, are academics and scholars and these two young men uh, yeah. who, who devoted so much time and effort to getting this out. Uh, mm -hmm. they, I'm basically uh, the audience. They walk me through yeah. the argument and they show me uh, that, that that's basically my, my role in the movie. Yeah. Interesting. And you just and you learn from them, right, Sam? Yeah. The process. I, I I hear them make the case and it's a very convincing case. Yeah. Yeah. So and they've they've done lots of research and and uh, historical findings. And of course, like you mentioned, there's some controversy because because historians and writers have always put it in New York. And the reality is what they found is. Yeah, in Long Island. Yeah, yeah, wow. and and the book says it's in Long Island, and Fitzgerald <laughs> did spend some time on Long Island, but uh, the geography and actually the experience that Scott and Zelda had, the kind of wild and crazy life that they were living, is so mirrored in in uh, the Great Gatsby that it, you know, I'm complete. You know, you're, 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 if, if there is controversy, but not in my mind. Right. Gotcha. And, and you like that, that dialogue. So you've been convinced. Oh, totally. If you can convince Nick Carraway. Exactly. That's what I, then, that's what I feel. That's right. And, and the, I'm sure the feedback of all the people that have written, have read it and now go back in this com conversation. I'm sure, Sam, you're hearing a lot of feedback from this as well for you doing this. Well, people who are crazy about the book um, and crazy about 
Fitzgerald's writing will get a, a gigantic boost out of the movie. And then, and then I hope they go have the experience I had, just go to the place and feel like you're walking around yeah. on the lawn and through the fields that they, that they did. Right. It's, it's right. pretty thrilling. Now, I know a chunk of people will be interested in this because they've recognized you, right? Maybe they didn't see The Great Gatsby, but they've watched Law and Order. Or, you know, they've seen you with anywhere from Mia Farrow to Jane Fonda to Walter Matthau and all these movies that, you know, I grew up with. Um, you know, you've got such a fantastic history. I mean, 50 years in, in television and movies. That's getting more towards 60. 60. Well, congratulations. Yeah. That's, you know, you've seen, you've seen some amazing things uh, in your almost 60 years. I mean, just think of all the, all Who the hasn't? actors. Right. Um, but, but all the, you know, so when did you, how old were you when you did your first movie? Or, or TV or something like that? Well, I, you know, I must have been, I was, I was just out of college. So, you know, I must have yeah. been 21 or 22. So. Yeah. Okay. And you are, you are within a week of my father. He's, he's November the 24th, 1940. Um, I'm much younger. Yes, yes. Yeah, so the fifteenth, my mom's the seventeenth, um, ah. but but my dad's the twenty fourth, or he was the twenty fourth. He oh, household he, full of Scorpios. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, when I saw your birthday, it just it just really hit home because I was like, man, you know. When is your birthday? September the fourth. It was last oh, Friday. Oh, so yeah. well, and then my birthday. son is tomorrow. He'll be seventeen tomorrow. So we had, we had a little birthday breakfast this morning. So our early happy birthday for you. It's coming up soon enough. Thank you very much. So what would you tell now, your where fans? Do you, do why, you live in, oh, sorry, I was going to say. Go I, ahead, Neil. No, yeah. I was going to ask Sam, what would you tell your fans why they should watch this documentary if they've not heard a lot about The Great Gaps? Why would they watch it? Oh, uh I don't know why they would unless they're interested in The Great Gatsby. This is a documentary about where The Great Gatsby, what inspired The Great Gatsby, where, uh, about the geography of it and about the ongoing discussion about what, what the location of The Great Gatsby actually was. So yeah. people that are fancy, you might not. Yeah, but some but of your I suppose if you watch the documentary, it might make you be interested in one of, I mean, people sometimes say it's the greatest novel in the American language. So, yeah. you know, yes. it wouldn't be a bad way to make a start. As a fan of yours that they have not, or might have read it at one point in time and have forgotten, what a great way to see you involved mm -hmm. in this and then also the, the research and what's it's come out. Because I think that's fascinating as a historian. Didn't they make you read The Great Gatsby when you were in school? See, I absolutely didn't, see. I didn't and really. Didn't, so, no, no. So I don't know. Maybe you should read the book and then watch the documentary, or 
know, both. I, I can do it. I can do it during the pandemic. The pandemic's a time, and I'm an educator too, former teacher, uh, Sam, and never read it. So it was what did you teach? Don't tell me you taught American literature. <laughs> literacy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I did not teach American literature. I taught uh, math. I taught social studies, and I was more K through eight. I mean, I was taught fourth grade, eighth grade. I did a little high school, but more math, and and a little bit of uh, social studies, but not. So you can't fault me there, and you have to fault my Catholic education for not having the great gaps gaps be on my list. So yeah. there you go. Okay. Being interrupted by a telephone call. Uh-oh. They want to talk to you about your home warranty or your car warranty. Yeah, they do. They want to, yeah. <laughs> this is your last uh, chance. We're going to come and arrest you about your Social Security. That's right, right, right. Unknown uh, <laughs> number. Could be spam. I love those calls. <laughs> um, so, so, now, did you say that you live in Connecticut or... Is that where you might have? Yeah. Okay. If I did. I was in okay. that house that Zelda and Scott rented, uh, which, according to Deej and Robert Stephen Williams, uh, is the place where uh, that's referred to in The Great Gatsby. So yeah, the house is can... still there. Yeah, that's yeah. the extraordinary thing. And uh, and uh, the stair with the Hidey hole for your with the your booze and right and the proximity to to Gatsby's estate, which is now oh wow the country club absolutely and yeah. the water and the dock and the wow right across the across yeah the amazing the views and all and of the things from the gate Great Gatsby, which yeah. you Neil don't know anything about because you haven't read it. Shame on you. <laughs> Now you're going well, you out. You could watch the yeah, movie. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now you I, I want to see. Neil, but the book is. Yeah. So and shame on me not to know that. But again, it's available everywhere. Right, Sam? Right. Wouldn't that be the truth? <laughs> it's already it's, out September 1st. So Eric, so, you can, so basically it's available everywhere September 1st. Sam, do you have any other projects coming up that you can tell us about? Yeah, or so I'll hit it real wait? quick. You know that uh, Grace and Frankie has been suspended because of COVID-19, but uh, we're looking forward as soon as it's safe to going back to work. And yeah. at the moment, that's supposed to be right at the turn of the year. But mm -hmm. apart from that, well, there are other things in the works, but- You can't say anything yet. To tell. Well, yeah. I appreciate it, Sam. Again, we're a huge fan of yours. Thanks for taking the time. And you've it's already, great. you've called me out. I have to read The Great Gaps. Yeah, you really and then, should. And then, and then after that, watch the documentary. And then kind of just- we'll talk again. And then we'll, we're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity segment. And I'm excited to welcome the program, my co-host, Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? You were showing me your cast. When are you going to be, you know, healed from this? Uh, ankle surgery, subtalar joint fusion, uh, no more pain, I'm promised. Uh, only 10 more weeks. 10 more weeks, but at least we'll still be in the pandemic, so it won't matter. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm exactly. supposed to be in Acapulco in 10 weeks, so we'll see how that works out. All right, Dave, introduce our guest. And, and again, I'm always a fan of the Real Housewives brand. And uh, I talked about, <laughs> and you're like, really? Well, that's stuff I would watch with my wife years and years and years ago. And again, and I'm always... 
I got a lot of friends in Dallas. So this looks like this is going to be a great guest and she's doing some great stuff. So go ahead and introduce our guest. Our guest is Leanne Locken, and uh, she is a star of Real Housewives of Dallas, the series that made reality shows uh, really sexy and, and made uh, reality shows like mine really hard to compete with, but that's okay. And she has a new magazine, right? Feature coming out, uh, Sophisticated Weddings. She was married last year, the first time at age 50. Wow, congratulations. How did you do that? We'll have to talk about that. She doesn't look 50. She does not look 50. No, uh-huh. she looks about 30. No, no, no. Leanne, how are you surviving the pandemic? Now, again, in Texas, you guys were opened up, then it's shut down, and then it's back up. Well, how are you dealing with it? Yeah, just like L.A. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm lo- I have literally loved every moment of the pandemic, and I think it's Oh, my God. I know, right? I'm, it's, I'm a weirdo. I'm not going to. I'm, <laughs> I'm a weirdo, but I'm I'm one of those people that my life has always like go 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 go. So when the pandemic made me stop and sit still, uh... look at my house, all the like like this this back patio is brand new. I gutted this whole thing and redid it. <laughs> and I just started like put, pouring love into my home and into my family, you know, uh, newlyweds. So uh, I, I, I'm trying to learn to cook, you know, that kind of uh, stuff. How long have you been married? Uh, just We just celebrated our one-year anniversary. So this Real Housewives of, of uh, Dallas has, is just last year. Yeah. Wow. So how's that working yes. out for you? <laughs> awesome. I, my husband and I have been together for 10 years before we got married. Oh, okay. So, yeah. You're not strangers. The- <laughs> right? So, Leanne, you're not with the re- – you, you had four seasons with The Real Housewives of Dallas, right? right? Yeah. Right? I, um, I chose to leave after the last season because I just really wanted to get back to focusing on charity and nonprofits and things that I love that I – I just wasn't afforded the time to do when I was on the show. So am I misunderstanding or you were on uh, Real Housewives when you weren't even married? Correct. I started the show when I was not even engaged. So you weren't even a housewife. Oh, come on. Listen, <laughs> I can clean the toilets. I'm a damn housewife. <laughs> and so how, did, so how did that happen, Leanne? Tell me a little bit about how you got chosen for the show. Well, you know, it's weird. Um, so I actually, this is not the first reality show that I've ever done. I've um, been on other reality shows. And so I think in the atmosphere of reality, you know, I think your name gets put out there in the universe of if we're going to do a show here, these are the people that, you know, have done reality and are good at it. And so I got an email that just was like, listen, we're going to do this show about women and how they connect and socialize. And it's going to be so positive and happy happy and i was like oh that sounds wonderful yeah let's do that and then turn into a housewife so you must have really put on a sophisticated wedding to be in sophisticated weddings tell me all about that it was beautiful my best friend steve kimball who is america's sassiest lifestyle guru here in dallas (laughs) uh, um he was my wedding planner and you know what honestly I have spent, myself and my husband, my husband is a a retired, 30-year retired police officer. He was on the SWAT. God bless him. Yeah, SWAT for 17 years, leader, um, was in dignitary protection. So he has spent his, basically his entire career giving 
the city. And, and that's sort of what I've been doing for the last 20 years with my work with all of the nonprofits in town. So when it came time for our wedding, I mean, poor Steve, he, all he had to do was like, just answer the phone. Everybody was calling in. We want to help. We want, what do they need? How can we help? How can really? we make best wedding ever everyone was there it was the party of the year um how my, many uh we we I, I cut it off at 350 i think at the reception that we had like 400 so uh forgive me for being so personal but how much does a sophisticated wedding for 350 people uh from one of the best wedding coordinators in the world cost these days you know you know what <laughs> I would say that the, well, I mean, the tiara I wore was 1.5 million. <laughs> I'm in tiara that I wore. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I, I um, how much did it cost? I, I can't, yeah, I don't think I've ever actually put the math to it. I don't think I've ever looked at really how much we ended up spending. Was it more than the tiara? No. Okay. No. no. We got that down. I love, I love my husband, but no. Well, I, f I really feel bad for your husband. I bet you he, he it just breaks his heart to see what's going on with cops these days. And he's very fortunate he retired so long ago to have people just throwing bottles and rocks and frozen bottles at you and fireworks. I mean, I, I, I can't believe this is America. But we won't get into that. That's another story. Well, I will say the amount of disrespect offered to people that you're not sure if they are a good or a bad police officer. It, it, it just shows me how quick we are to judge and how slow we are to have conversations. And right. I think if we reverse that, we would have a better. Well, politics is ugly and it's all yeah. politics. Shoot, housewives is ugly, honey. <laughs> so good, so good, good and bad police officers, good and bad everything. And to go, <laughs> that's the same thing with teachers that attack certain teachers that aren't very good and say all teachers are bad. It just makes no sense sure. at all. And it's terrible. And I, I just couldn't imagine being a police officer these days. But this happened again a couple, a couple years ago before President Trump became president. You yep. were dealing with really a lot Ferguson. of tensions and for police officers and they were being murdered and everything and then it kind of slowed down and now we're back to this again it's just terrible yeah. but and it wasn't um, obama's fault right no, but i will say i will say this seven seven in dallas um uh is just one more evidence to me one more factual evidence to me that god exists and lives and relationship with my husband because I had forced him to go on a date with me on the night of 7-6. Otherwise, he would have been at that protest on 7-7. Oh, my gosh. And that's yeah. fate is a wonderful thing. Yeah, so you know, and you know what else? I mean, you know, he's also his his best friend was Chris Kyle. And wow. Chris had actually asked him to go to the range with him the day he was murdered. And he couldn't. It was his very last daddy-daughter dance with his sweet daughter. Oh, there's so many 9-11 stories just like that, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we thank God. We, we, sadly, we have more than one of those in our relationship. But blessed that we still have our relationship and we're still here together, fighting the good fight. So you've been so, going together 10 years. I mean, you were married, right? What yeah. made you, like, tie the knot? What, why did you, like, sign the paper? So, you know, um, I, I, everybody is like, oh, you know, on the show, people were like, oh, Rich is smart. You know, she's crazy. Don't, <laughs> um, 
but the truth was it was me. I was, um, I had a really rough upbringing and only a solid visual that I had for relationships was my grandmother, my grandfather, who married in their twenties and were together their entire lives. I mean, they died six months apart from each other. Um, so for me, I, I kept thinking, wait, I'm going to find that one. And you know, um, I think sometimes when it comes to our relationship, we let fear be stronger than our faith. And my husband at one point just turned to me and said, you know what, this, you are what I want. How do I, how do I show you that? Let's, let's get married. And, um, but that's not the first time he asked. Uh, it, no, he, he's, he's only, he asked me the first time he's ever asked me. And the only time he ever asked me to marry him was on the show. Wow. Yeah. Then three, two, two, at the carnival because mm. I grew up. How romantic! Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's he's way more romantic than me. <clears throat> and how old is he? He's um, a fi unless I'm fifty three, so he's about to be fifty seven. Oh, pre pretty close in yes. age. So basically, yeah. so Dave, basically looking at it, this is her first time getting married at fifty. So she was not married before then. Just wanted Never. to clarify that. Uh, as I knew yeah, I, I the got audience, that. but you didn't cl clarification. So I'm going to jump right away from that stuff and talk about now let's talk about you as an, in, as an entertainer and everything. How did that start? How did that, so you said you were on reality shows and different things, but you have an IMBD. It's not just from being on a reality show. So okay. kind of give us more of that background. Sure. I, um, I grew up in Houston, Texas. My grandmother and my grandfather raised me. And um, I remember my grandfather, my grandmother as a child taking me to be the goldfish in the play Pinocchio, one of the little goldfish. And I just had a, an acting bug and it just caught me. And um, I started like every, like most Texas girls, I got into pageants <laughs> and I went to the USA system. And then from there, Obviously, some of the judges had been um, modeling agency directors, so I got into modeling, and then I traveled the world, and then from modeling, I got into acting and traveled the world, and, um, you were you know, busy that, having fun, too much fun yeah. to be married. Oh, no, I, I literally lived a very uh, whirlwind life, so yes, it's nice to have roots. Yeah. So interesting when you talk about all that and the modeling and everything. So you had a different background than some of the other Real Housewives and even a lot of the Real Housewives of all the brands of you being in acting, modeling. So was it a different, it's, it was an easy step for you in reality shows because of your experiences then, right? But, Compared to some people that never had that experience at all that's been a housewife. Yeah, I mean, you, th you think about it. Some of the girls that, that came in to do the show, uh, have never been around camera. you know these huge cameras are following you around and someone's miking you and you know I, I to me a camera has never affected how I behaved sadly um <laughs> I have, still tries to find the filter that will fit in me but uh, he hasn't found it um but yeah I um I'm just not I just really never I, I never took the time to try to plan how I wanted someone to see me. I always just felt that if I was myself, you would be able to see who I was. Right. <laughs> Let me go back to uh, the, the point of the matter, your foundational work, your charity work. When did that start? 
Um, you know what? My grandmother sort of raised me as a human to, if you care about where you live, make where you live better. And I always say to people, you know, when people start to complain to me about the traffic or about this or that in our community, I'm like, then, then be a part of the community. You can't sit home on your sofa watching the news complaining if you're not out there being an active part of making it better. And so that's just how I was raised. And it became a very important thing for me to give back. Um, and it started with people just, you know, like, hey, can you help me? bring awareness to this um, pet adoption that we're doing. And I'm like, sure, no problem. So I just started doing that. And then the next thing you know, the need is so great. The need is so great. And um, I just sort of gotten to, I got to a point where I was doing so much of it that I sort of said, okay, I need to fine tune my, my four really great areas that I care about and that I want to focus on. And then if I have time, I will reach out and help the others. Um, so I'm, I'm a strong LGBTQ component. Um, I am a, a huge uh, animal advocate. Um, I work with uh, domestic violence and I work with child of, uh, prevention, child abuse prevention. So those are my four mainstay areas. I'm very honored that um, this year I've been asked by Brian's House here in Dallas to be an ambassador. Brian's House was founded because back in the early days of the AIDS pandemic, you know, no one would touch babies with AIDS. And sadly, as the mother died during childbirth, no one was there. I mean, like, talk about blaming the innocent. And uh, the woman who founded Brian's house founded it and said, I, I, will, I will take them in. I will hold them. I will hug them. I will love them until they pass. And that's so I, I'm, I'm very honored to be an ambassador for Brian's house, not only just to raise awareness, but to um, raise recognition for the hard work that they do, because now they've expanded and they, they help um, mostly underprivileged families with um, special needs children. So there's not, if you think about it, like you're, you're in the, you live in an underprivileged area and yet you have a child with disabilities. Where does that child go to daycare? You know, and so that's what Brian's house is, is they reach out and they help people that have very special needs and no funds to get them. Wow. You know, it's amazing how you've taken your notoriety and you've really giving back to the community and to the world actually. Um, how did this all start? I mean, uh, you said you had, were on lots of reality shows. What was your first point where you realized that you're going to be in front of the camera, you're going to be a celebrity? Um, well, I mean, I was doing commercials and acting and doing movies. I did Miss Congeniality with Sands. Oh. Um, so I always knew that I, want, I loved acting. And um, I think more than acting, I loved acting up. That's how reality became so easy for me because – it was something where it's just like, look, I'm a ham. I'm a drama queen. I, you know, to me, I paint a really big picture and then everybody tries to, you know, fit it in the frame. And, um, and that's just who I am by nature. It's how God made me. I mean, if you ask any of my friends, they're like, oh my God, you were made for reality. Anyway. All so, right. You hear a lot of things about reality shows and how they are, they're always scripting you and say, well, do this. It'll be more drama. Do they do that with you or you just carry all the drama uh, naturally? I, I will say, uh, no, with me in particular, no one ever said, um, you know, do this or do that. Um, they did say, they, they will say like with me, they, you could tell if I, I'm very facially expressive and you can tell when I'm holding it in 
Um, and so they would encourage me to give my opinion, which, you know, wasn't always a good thing. Uh, but you know, no, I, I was never, I was never scripted or told what to say or who to be friends with or who to fight with. I can't say that. I can't say the same for the other girls, but I can say that for me. Gotcha. So let's, let's jump into specifically enough favorite moments on Real Housewives of Dallas and least favorite moments. <laughs> favorite moments would definitely be getting engaged at the carnival. Um, my husband, who as a SWAT operator had to work the, the, the state fair, I don't know, 17 years every day. You have to understand our state fair is like 30 or 45 days long. He had to work every day for 17 years at the state fair. So he's not, whereas, you know, I'm a carny kid. I still am like, you know, you put me on a carnival ground. I'm like, woohoo, lights <laughs> and bling and, you know, excitement. And, um, and so he actually went down there three times during one, the day he was getting ready and, um, and really surprised the heck out of me. I mean, put it, put it in a balloon on a balloon wow. board and had a box and, um, it was sweet. It was really sweet. I was really blown away. And that was probably one of my best moments. My wedding by far, my wedding was the highest viewed episode from last season. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, my, his vows. I mean, he stole the show that, that rat, he stole the show. <laughs> and, um, and that's what he does. He, you know, he's good at, he's good at stealing my heart. And for the first time I'm, I hope that people got to see how he steals my heart every day. And that was with his vows. How much of this was a secret to you? I mean, did you know this was coming? Um, I did not know we were getting engaged. No, we really? I mean, talked about it. I mean, listen, season <clears throat> one, when I was living with him, we weren't engaged, we weren't married. And everybody was like, you're not a housewife. How are you a housewife? <laughs> you know, my response was I cleaned, I'm a damn housewife. Um, I, he hated, he got so irritated with that. I think in season two, he was like, screw this. You know what? Like, I'm not going to tell Leanne we're doing this, but this is, he went to the producer, like, this is what I want to do. I want to surprise her. And, um, and he did. So what was your reaction? I mean, did you really like. Shock. Shock. I mean, like I opened, well, when we popped the balloon and there was a jewelry box behind it, I was like, that's not how that works. <laughs> As I know that's not how that works. And then the, the, the worker <clears throat> a bottle of champagne and I was like, Oh shit. Like <laughs> it's happening right now. And you know, he Boy, talk about drama. Yeah. So yeah. Now let's talk about least favorite. Cause that's what everyone likes. And, and yeah. I'm sure when you, especially Bravo TV and what, how they make things. I, and, I feel, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah um my least favorite were moments when i needed to grow and i wasn't aware that i needed to grow and i made you know huge mistakes and missteps and i i don't really um regret them because i wouldn't be where i am or who i am today without them and i think again like i said earlier i truly believe that making a mistake and having a conversation and growing is what our country needs more than anything. All this judgment and name calling and hatred, where does that get you? Where do we grow? Where is, where's the compassion? I go to Amen. church 
on Monday, I'm going to call you a you-know-what. <laughs> and, and all of that <sighs> just drives me insane. If you can't find a positive reaction out of something, if there isn't a way to grow from it, then it truly was a failure. And I'm not a failure. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So now the final question, and then I'll ask if we can find more information. But again, again, everyone uh, got, has to uh, check out all the different things that are happening with Laureen. But let's go with your, Dave has a question where it's a caregiving question. And it always is interesting because he, he, he's going to write a book, I'm telling you, just on the caregiver answer from celebrities. And okay. we've interviewed many celebrities that had very, very interesting answers. Dave, go ahead and ask the caregiver question. Yeah, obviously, uh, you're not new to caregiving. You're talking about special needs kids and stuff like that. My wife had a stroke, uh, gosh, four, 24 years ago. I had a headache for three days, didn't go away. She lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And it was pretty rough for a couple of months. I mean, a couple of years, excuse me. And we almost broke up. But she, we reinvented ourselves and we, you know, be slowly became our old selves again. And our love was rekindled. And I decided there's so many other caregivers out there who needed to learn what I learned and not make the same mistakes I made. So I wrote this book um, and now I'm writing my fourth book and I have a website to caregiverdave.com, kind of a caregiver support group to help caregivers stay alive because 30% of them die before their loved yeah. ones do. So my question to you is um, how has caregiving touched your life or do you anticipate that it will? No, I, I, I think that um, I think I was born uh, very much geared towards being a caregiver. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, with both of my grandparents through their, um, triple bypasses and aftercare. My when my grandmother had her triple bypass, uh, wake up for 45 days. Um, and the nurses let me stay at the hospital and you just, you really learn how to be an advocate for the patient. And, um, and then it, it just, Helping others makes you focus less on yourself, which allows you the freedom to understand agape and, un and unconditional and compassionate love. And I think that is where we shine the brightest. You know, I, I hear so many people say how depressed they are, how, you know, they're sad because if you are sad, part of it is because you are so focused inward. And I love to focus outward. To me, if I can help others, there's no greater gift in the world. There's no greater joy for me. There's no greater life. I get so many direct messages and emails from people just from my journey on the show saying, I, I got one from a wife not too long ago. Um, you know, I, me and my husband suffer from PTSD and uh, both are very hypervigilant. And I got one from a wife the other day that said, you know, my husband, deals with anger the way that you used to. He's very loud. He gets very angry. He's very quick. He's very, you know, sharp. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and she goes, but watching you and your journey of you dealing with it helps me not only understand why he expresses himself that way, but how for me not to be a trigger for him. Mm -hmm. And I thought, could I have asked for anything more than that? that <laughs> that's worth everything. You're, so wow. that's definitely Amen. caregiving, Dave. Yeah. In a lot of ways, being a, a, a beacon to what sure. you're doing on your platform and your brand. And yeah, so you. here's a question, Laureen. Will you ever return 
to Real Housewives of Dallas because we've seen Real Housewives leave and come back. Do we yes, ever? We have. I, I think, um, you know, I, I like Bravo will never say no uh, to the options. I think it would have to be the right time, the right cast, um, and I would have to be in, in the right place. I think right now I'm so happy um, building, um, I'm actually building a website called payitforwards.org, which is, um, you can just go on and, and it shows people how to help other people. It really just makes it that easy. Oh. One, two, um, and so I've been in the process of doing that. I, I, I love it so much. I love the joy. Like today is national food pantry day. So I posted a, today on my Instagram. <laughs> A woman who founded a food pantry and everybody's like you're glowing you look so happy and i'm like you know what's funny is they always say i look happy when i'm doing god's work that's great there you go so that's a, that's a great mission is that so other places to find info on you where can we go uh, i would say instagram 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 <laughs> I, the outlet i take care of um part of me feels like twitter is run by satan so i kind of try to stay <laughs> but uh yeah instagram I love it. I'm there almost every day. I'm storying. I'm making posts. Come see what I'm doing. Come help the people that I'm helping. Come, come be a light with me. And there's Look a feature. For me, I'll right, follow you. Yeah, and then there's a feature right out on Sophisticated <laughs> Weddings magazine uh, about your marriage. So that's yeah, awesome. Our 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 wedding, our one year anniversary, and and we were interviewed all about like you know our wedding and how we how we work together and how we make life better together and um, and it's beautiful. Sophisticated weddings did a huge spread. We went to New York and shot it all in New York City and just had the best time. I know my husband had the best time. You'll have to go look at the pictures. He's laughing in most of them. Well, it's tremendous. You stopped by. Great. Let me know when that website launches and you, how you want. To find other people to pay it forward. I think it's a great idea. I think it's exactly needed. And once that website launches, I guess I'll contact your team to have another short interview just talking about that. Because I think that's just in itself is a short interview to kind of say, you got to go check this out. Because this is something we need yeah. to have something positive to give back to others. We're so just focused on the suffering and challenges that we're all going through. If we could pay it forth and help someone else, we have the needs to do it. Let's do it. And it's a great idea. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. Well, all right, guys. Take care. I appreciate it. Bye. Uh, thank you all so right. much. There you go, guys. That was the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. Take care, everyone. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Total Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Taylor Purdy. Taylor, how are you, man? And uh, you were talking about <laughs> dealing with uh, a four-day week, but really every day seems the same when you're in, in quarantine there's no difference taylor that that is super super true neil and i i work from i mean everybody works from home now but i i normally work from home so for me it's just always this long stretch of the glow of my computer screen and suddenly it's friday so yeah i feel that real hard so see i i feel that too but it's still different because people don't leave thank goodness kids are back to school even though I've decided to move into my other off, I, I moved my office to my mom's because it just my home office because it just wasn't working. Even though because they're still in this called quarantine phase of hybrid education, and hybrid yeah. means 
you never develop any consistency. But that's for another time, another place. You, you and I, I think we do a great job uh, doing a morning show together because we hit it off right off the bat. So Taylor, tell us. Yeah, yeah, did. Did, so tell me when you knew you were going to be a performer. How old were you? Oh wow. Um, there's some story about me making up a dance to the theme song from Anastasia for the kindergarten talent show. But uh, I think really um, the first time I really thought about it as a career was probably like 11 or 12. Um, I kind of realized how I looked around and saw how much more people paid attention to what their favorite musicians were thinking than what, you know, their leaders were thinking. And art as a way to like get people to have a conversation struck me pretty early on. Now, you are you are part of a family legacy. Can you explain that, too? So that helps in a way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So my uh, my mom is Roberta Morris Purdy. She's a documentarian, and my father, on the flip side of that, is Nathan Purdy, who is one of the I, I guess like great black soap opera actors. Um, so you've got my mother's hardcore social social issue documentaries, and my dad's fighting his you know evil twins half cousin from space. Um, and I'd say definitely that gave me an insight into how those art forms kind of permeated everybody's life, whether it was like the fight in the war movies that my mom made or how interested my father's fans were in anything he had to say, just because, you know, he survived the great plague of Landview in 1999 or whatever the drama was that week. So here's the thing. You were pretty much born into it, even though you made the decision. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, though. I was never pushed into it. There was a, a lot of, like, hey, kid, do whatever you're into. And if you're into this, we'll, we can talk about it. Um, there was definitely one Thanksgiving where my father declared we were not allowed to discuss the Stanislavski system at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, but generally, it was whatever I was into, and eventually I was into some of the same things as them. So tell us the journey. Then you get started, like some of your other projects, before we talk about your latest project. Well, I... I suppose I kind of tagged along with my my mom's documentaries for a long time. Um, those were, you know, those there there were places to go on those, and every every one of those films kind of had its own like unique corner of the world. Whether it was breast cancer or the war in Iraq, um, she had to learn to text before me because she was making a film with embedded soldiers, and she had to like text the director of that on Baghdad time in, you know, 2003, when nobody I knew knew how to send a text message. Roberta was texting across the battle, the battlefield. Um, and eventually I kind of started, I realized that the only way to really get any jobs artistically was to know somebody if you were lucky, but most of the time, even when you do, it's about making it, making work for your, for yourself. And documentaries are a great way to make a film and tell a story that doesn't require a movie star and massive overhead. So the the first film that I really worked on kind of as an equal partner with with my mother is this documentary about the murder capital of the world, which is San Pedro Sula, Honduras. And hopefully that'll start showing next year. We kind of we're releasing these projects kind of in a backwards order. But a lot of like documentary social action things before this musical. Wow. So interesting. And so, and it's, so it's a mix. It's really a mix of what you're doing, 
between your yeah. father and mother. That's pretty cool. Definitely. And, and I, I guess in terms of more things like, like my dad's corner of the world, in between, you know, going to Central America, I like would get murdered on Gotham or, you know, fight some superhero on Iron Fist. Kind of the like oscillation between, you know, you're an actor and you go to set and you do a thing and the other corner of the world where you're a filmmaker and you have to make all of it happen on your own and kind of walk in those lines. So this process till the release, it's been a, it's a journey, right? Tell us that journey. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Tell us about that. I mean, so I made this documentary about the Honduras. I started filming it. Honestly, I was like 19 when we started shooting it. Um, and after we kind of finished it and screened it and like put it on a shelf for a while, I knew that I wanted to make something with a script and actor. So I sat down and, kind of had to look around and see what I had access to. You know, there wasn't going to be, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. wasn't going to stop by and be in something that nobody was going to give me millions of dollars to make Star Wars 15. Right. So I kind of had to see what I had access to. And at the time I had access to some like cool old houses in rural Pennsylvania. Um, my dad, some of the uh, Cassie DePaiva, who worked with him on One Life to Live. Um, and folk music. I was learning to like write folk songs at the time so essentially <laughs> this film came to be because it was a mix of all the things that i like could grab up and shoot that summer um which ended up being really special because in retrospect it's become like a love letter to this part of like this corner of the world this like pennsylvania and this like weird corner of like what do you do after industry or steel leaves and this like love letter to this very un actory world that I actually grew up in. See, there you go. That's a great uh, description. Now you talk talk about. There's a lot of music in it. I've read up on stuff, right? So you you always put your loves in these things and these creating these things, right? I'm not gonna just you know make it kind of like what my dad dealt with. I'm gonna put some music into this to make who I am, right? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. He, he, so my dad is very musical, and when I was growing up, there were instruments all over the house. That's um, cool. Kungas and bass guitars and all these things that I never really paid much attention to. I had piano lessons for a while, and one day they have this great old barn, which is actually in the film. They, they found this old acoustic guitar. It's like on a wall in a room in the barn. They never used it like it didn't belong to any of us. It must have been belonged to whoever owned the house before them. And that that, that is what I grabbed onto, that this, like, you know, the least, like, cool black guy instrument possible after all of the things that Nathan had lying around that I, I was drawn to. The banjo and this, you know, classical guitar, I think really made him laugh. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so tell us the premise of this of this film without giving it away. You've kind of talked a little bit uh, about, yeah, like, are, are you playing? You're definitely one of the characters, even though you created this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I, was, when, I was a kid, when I was a kid, my mom made me promise that if I did actually start making movies, I always had to write a role for myself and for my dad. Um, so, yeah, I play the title character. The film's called Killian and the Comeback Kids, and I'm Killian. And Nathan plays my dad, which was very special. That is very cool. Fun. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the first time I directed him. He'd been in some like short things that I'd done before, but it was definitely the first time we got to have like lots of detailed scenes together. 
Um, that was honestly, it, it's really fun to work with him. I think there's an element of doesn't even out the like parent-child dynamic when I'm the boss a little bit, but mostly it gives us a chance to like play together. It kind of reminds me of all the times we used to have lightsaber fights or something. We you know we're still playing pretend in the backyard. But um, the the film is it's essentially about a guy who goes is coming back from a big expensive college degree, like so many people I know. And he's supposed to go off on a modest but legit music tour with his roommate across, you know, some bars, you know, in the Midwest. And he stops back home to, like, see his folks and cool off before he goes off. And his bandmate drops out. So we get stuck in this town that we begin to discover is kind of, it's struggling. The steel mill has pulled out. And Killian has to kind of go back to these people he'd known as a child and maybe didn't talk to a bunch once he went off to the big city to try to put a band together out of everyone else who's stuck in this town to play. There's one slot at this, at the local music festival that is kind of based on Bethlehem Steel, or not Bethlehem Steel, um, Music Fest in the Lehigh Valley. It's like the right music fest is, in, it's massive. It's like the most trafficked music festival in the country if you do the math the way they do it. So essentially, there's a slot at Music Fest, and he and the guys have to try to win it. But then there's a twist, and that's a whole other thing. <laughs> you yeah, don't want to give it away, but it's basically that journey of being the comeback kid and to be able to make it. And that's what all we all do. And when you look at your father's success, who who do you want to, and you look at your mom's success, which one do you want to kind of, kind of maybe get even bigger than? Because we always strive for things. <laughs> what would you say? be bigger than both of them don't i that, that's good um, that's that's what you got to do that's, yeah. that's, a, that's an interesting question um honestly i think less bigger than one or the other it's that i'm trying very actively to combine both of their ways of making art my mother is very hands-on and detail-oriented right she makes the you know, get the project going and my dad has this great way of just like this laissez-faire sense of, you know what, I'm done for the day. He always tells me, Taylor, you're working harder than I've ever wanted to work. I can't believe you'd want to work that hard, but good for you. Um, and being able to oscillate between making a thing happen and also remembering to just enjoy that you're Nathan and you can sit in your barn and have no desire to write a script today. And I'm trying to balance a little more of my dad's laissez-faire vibe right now to stay sane but awesome it's about a combination of both of those well fantastic where can i the film will not be coming out till later this fall right is that correct uh, so it, it actually starts uh this on september 18th okay um and then it's going to because movie theaters are crazy it's going to have a kind of different kind of rollout than movies would have a year ago and every week it's going to add more and more places but it'll be rolling out through the rest of the fall more than just like, oh, these next two weeks. Um, but it starts in Pennsylvania. It's, it's, there are a bunch of play dates that first week in Pennsylvania and then kind of all over. Uh, is it coming to East. Pittsburgh? I believe it is coming to Pittsburgh. Well, that's where you're, this is the flagship. If you call flagship, I'm all over the world. But yes, uh, Pittsburgh, let us oh, know. Let, just email me when it will be coming to Pittsburgh because I want to definitely see it. Definitely, yeah. And I, I saw that you were in Pittsburgh, and I, uh, 
the steel mill staying in in this is very much a subplot and so I, I appreciated that you were out there because you guys get that just like the people at by bethlehem steel do you know exactly all right so we have to check it out and check out taylor best place we can find information on the film where can we go uh killian and the comeback kids movie.com that'll do it awesome and okay. how, how do we follow Ladies, you on really. taylor socials uh, yeah, I'm just Taylor Purdy on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. All right. Well, uh, I don't know how that rollout will come when you go to each theater. I don't think you're going to visit each theater, right, to do a meet and greet type. Um, of I'm not going to every theater. There are way too many for that. But I'm going to. I'm going to be at a bunch. I am, and all of that stuff will be probably on the website. And honestly, um, the plan is for me and some of the rest of the cast to go and either whether it's at a drive-in or at a venue that's miraculously open near a theater, we're going to do a series of like mini concerts. Um, of the music from the film and you know other music in that vein um so depending on where you are it might be at your drive-in might be at your local bar or whatever the concert venue is if it's open but we'll be going around to a lot of places all right but the film will be even more places than we're at all right so all like over. each week it'll roll out go to the website to check all that out and i appreciate you stopping by taylor thanks again thanks again awesome yeah thank you so much all right take care all right bye-bye you listen to neil haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.